evidence of your goodness all over my life all over my life I Good morning, everybody. Everyone who's in the lobby, try to make your way in here. Let me do those theater lights where they go on and off. So let's stand and worship. All throughout my history Your faithfulness has walked beside me The winter storms made way for spring In every season from where I'm standing I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. Help me remember when I'm weak and fear may come but fear will leave you lead my heart to victory you are my strength and you always will be I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. I see the cross, the empty grave, the evidence is endless. All my sin rolled away because of you, oh Jesus. See the cross, the empty grave, the evidence is endless. All my sin rolled away because of you, oh Jesus. Oh, I see the evidence of your good all over my life all over my life I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life all over my life why should I fear the end Evidence is 
old song with us. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassion they fail not as thou hast been thou forever wilt be great is thy faithfulness great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new entering the, uh, well, we're in the season of, of thanks right now with Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday. So we tried to uh, to stick with that theme this morning and this next song. By the way, everybody, this is Heather. She's, uh, she's new to our worship team and man, what an addition. Uh, we're blessed to have her. Um, we came early this morning and, and practiced for the first time and it just, it clicked. Um, so I'm, I'm very blessed to have her up here with me today. Um, this next song is probably one of the best worship songs ever written. Um, and I've been doing this a long time. And I've heard a lot of songs, but nothing touches me like this song. And it just talks about how good God is. And we tend to forget it because we get so used to it. We get so used to sleeping in a warm bed. We get so used to having our bills paid. We get so used to living in a country where we don't have to fear for our lives and and living in, in a nice neighborhood and driving a nice car. We get used to all that stuff. So we forget about how good God really is. But this song reminds us. So So sing along. You all know it. Faithful 
All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice You have led me through the fire darkest night you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God and all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness is running after, it's running after me Your goodness is running after running after me with my life laid down I surrender now I give you everything your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me your goodness is running after it's running after me All my life you have been faithful 
Wow. Heather, Marty, thank you so much. You know what? We're allowed to applaud. I'm not sure I can talk yet. Anyway, don't worry about it. Even though the sun is not shining outside, the sun, Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father, is shining in this sanctuary this morning. Can I have an old-fashioned amen? amen? Thank you. My name is Harvey, and I'm here today to uh, listen to whoever would like to stand up and tell, you, tell us how Jesus was in your life this last week. Um, it's an opportunity to share with each other, because when you don't share, I don't know who to pray for. Right? Jesse. I want to praise God. My son came uh, to visit me last week, and we had our Thanksgiving early from uh, Minnesota. He drove. It was 12 hours. And then my mom drove down from Lewiston, and uh, we had our Thanksgiving on Thursday. So we're pretty happy and thankful that we got together. Praise God. Yeah. Sharon. Hi, Sharon. So um, this fall has been really challenging. I, in September, I had a broken knee and sciatica problems. And um, so thankful for people here in the church who loaned me equipment and prayers. Um, I'm better. The fracture seems to have healed. And I'm going to have a knee replacement surgery for Christmas. I get a new knee for Christmas. Like, can you beat that? Uh, and then we were in a car accident on October 28th, so now we have a new car, so new knee, new car, I'm really thankful. Um, and I was getting calls, two or three calls a week from the principal of Lily's school that she was really being a naughty girl. And um, so we had a meeting and lots of talks and she's doing much better. So I praise God for all these good things and for all of you who've been so kind to us. God is good. Beautiful example of Sharon and Dan with God in their, in their lives. And it's, it's an incredible story. Uh, you should sit down and talk to them sometime. Yes. Hello, my name is Molly. Um, and Seth and I have five kids and they've had a really hard week, um, especially my teenagers. 
they had um, their school was closed because of threats and they had lockdowns because of it and the lockdown was really scary for them. Um, and I was just thinking about all the needs of my kids and feeling like, oh, I cannot meet their needs. I can see what each one needs and, and I can't provide that. And I was praying about it and just really asking if the Lord had anything for me um, for that. And I, I thought of the story of um, Jesus multiplying the fish and the loaves. There wasn't enough, but he made it enough. And at first I kind of dismissed that because I'm like, oh, that's just a story you've read like a lot of times, you know. And then as I prayed about it, on, on other occasions the story came back. I'm like, no, I can, I can, that, that counts. That counts as the Lord speaking to me about this. Um, and while we were singing, I just kept thinking of different ways that my kids have been taken care of, not through my actions, um, either through family or friends being really loving to them, or sometimes money being provided for things that Seth and I couldn't pay for so that they could do it. Um, so I'm, I'm really thankful that, that my not enough plus Jesus is enough. Thank you. Just want to say on Thursday, this past Thursday, the 17th, uh, was our 38th anniversary. So it's been a wonderful time. <laughs> but this, this year has been pretty challenging, but turns out quite, quite well. But it's just nice to be married to a wonderful woman. Anyone else? Now, here we go. Hey, um, I just wanted to let you know um, that God was totally just speaking to me through you. Um, we're about to birth our fourth, and it's been quite a journey, um, an unexpected surprise, and I've really wrestled with my feelings of inadequacy to meet the needs of so many children. Um, but that was just a beautiful reminder that my inadequacy plus Jesus is going to be just fine. <laughs> Thank you. Morning, church. My name's Jim. Uh, some of you may have seen on the news this week on Friday, a uh, semi ran up on the, in the, some lawns in Hazel Park. The main house or the main lawn that it ran up on was right behind my house. And it also ran into my neighbors to the right of us. It stopped five feet from my fence and from a telephone pole. So it could have been a whole lot worse. And so we're thankful that just property was damaged on, on our neighbors, but we're praying for the driver. He, uh, we have heard that he had a medical emergency and that's why he, what happened to him. And so uh, just keeping him in prayers, but thankful that God protected all of us during that time. So. Anybody else? Now I know you're this close to raising your hand 
to share with us, to share with your brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, are we not? So we want to, if there's anybody else, I'll tell you a little something before I, oh, Sharon. I'm sorry, I'm limping a little bit. I've got a, well, never mind. I just wanted to offer prayer for Jenny Braun. She took a pretty bad fall. Uh, and also for Hannah, who had foot surgery this week. So um, God, we just thank you for Jenny. She's been so faithful to be a part of our fellowship here. And we ask that you'll comfort her and heal her in the name of Jesus. And we pray for Hannah. Lord, may her healing come swiftly. May she be up on her feet again sooner than she expects. And may you knit together all the bones in her foot and heal her in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I was going to tell you a little story. Um, some of you already know this. Um, our, our daughter, Dea, and her husband uh, moved back to Michigan uh, from San Francisco. In fact, they're at 13 Mile in Woodward. So we'll be spending Thanksgiving with them after 32 years of her being in San Francisco. But at my age, uh, there's nothing left on my wish list that I want to happen for, for my daughter to be here and to spend all the time together so I'll call Dea anytime during the week and say, what are you doing? She'll say, nothing. I said, get the coffee pot on. I'm coming over. Couldn't do that. Couldn't do that uh, when she was in San Francisco. And speaking of Thanksgiving, um, whatever you do and wherever you go, or if it's at home or relative, just remember what Thanksgiving's all about. And remember all those who... We'll be walking the streets on Thanksgiving. They'll be hungry. So if you know of anybody in your city that, that you know where it is, that taking something. So that's it. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we're going to have, there's Seth. Let's give a hand for Seth. He's going to do the announcements. Thank you. I'm going to walk up here. Hi church, welcome to Genesis. My name is Seth. I was gonna say something to introduce my family, but I think my wife said is an excellent introduction to our family and how we think about our family. Um, so I'm gonna give some announcements. Um, please take a moment and let us know you're here. You can fill out a digital connection card on the website or there's a physical green card in your pew. And if you're new to Genesis, you can text new to Genesis, all one word, new to Genesis to 94000, and that will sign you up for getting updates and stuff like that from Genesis. Um, you can place that green card in the wooden box at the back of the sanctuary, and that's also where you can place your offering if you've brought it with you. And thank you all who give online or through text. Um, we're collecting new underwear and socks for uh, the CDC's Pride for Parents 
Christmas store this holiday season. It's actually the CDC CDC. It's the uh, Central Detroit Christian Community Development Corporation. And that's one of our compassion partners. Um, CDC is committed to empowering people, creating positive opportunities for their community and loving their neighbors. And I'm gonna say, there's something sort of long written about the Christmas store, but I'm gonna read it verbatim because I think it says some important things about the, the goals or the, the values and goals of that. The Christmas store is designed to help children experience the love of Christ and the gifts that he gives while affirming the dignity of parents who may not be financially capable of supplying the basic needs and special wants of their children. Poverty is complex, and there are many factors outside the control of families. Um, so you can help by purchasing a package or two of new underwear and socks. There's a wish list link you can use. It's either um, on the bin in the lobby, or if you get emails from Genesis or also on Facebook, you can find the link there. You can also just buy a package or two at your local store and drop them in the bin. Um, the approximate cost is eight to $25 per package. And if you're not sure what to buy, pick the underwear or socks you like in your size, or maybe if you have kids in the kids' sizes. All packages, oh yeah, all packages need to arrive, and all items need to be in the bin by Sunday, December 4th. So think about the timeline there for when you would need to do that. And if you need more information on that, you can contact Allison Kinesa. Is is, I don't know Allison. There's Allison. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it. So uh, let's release middle schoolers. You know where to go. I think South Hall is where you guys are going. Um, and we can also just take a second to say hi to somebody near you. If you need a subject to talk about, how about um, favorite Thanksgiving foods? Or if you don't have a favorite Thanksgiving food, that also is an interesting topic of conversation. All right, thanks. Okay, I'm moved. Oh.
All right. Let's wrap it, wrap up our conversations. My hands are freezing. I don't know. Is anyone else's hands freezing? Man, oh man. I've also cried five times already in the service, just so you know. There's a wreck back there. Um, So if that's any indication about where we're headed, yeah, it is what it is. So let's, uh, let's pray, and then I'm going to get into this morning's um, encouragement uh, in my sermon. So Lord, we, we continue to invite you to use this time for what you want. And so we have plans, and if you prepare to talk, and we ask that your spirit would inhabit it that your spirit would continue to meet us and to heal us, to mend us, to move us to celebration, to remind us of the love that you have for us. And so we ask for ears to be able to hear it and hearts that are able to receive it this morning. And so would you melt those frozen spots? Would you break down the walls that we've built to protect ourselves even from you? And would you speak to us and call us by name this morning? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we are in week six of our series around the table. And this week, uh, we were talking about making room at the table, which seems fitting because it's Thanksgiving week. And so our tradition uh, in our home is to not travel on Thanksgiving. And so... We say, if you want to come to us, you're welcome to. Uh, But it's always given us an opportunity to invite people to our home who were disconnected from their own families. And so we had that practice over the years. And I think uh, this year, our kids have started inviting their friends who are disconnected. And their main question is, um, are we serving stovetop stuffing? So... It's neat to see um, that tradition moving on in our family. Um, But the idea of making room at the table, there's a meme that was going around um, a while ago. I think Nasha has it. She'll throw it up here on the screen. And it says, when you have more than you need, build a longer table, not a higher fence. So 
this is the spirit with which I want to teach this morning. This is the filter through which I want you to hear the scriptures. And I have two in intentions this morning. The first is for us to consider the meaning of a parable of the great feast and how it applies to us today. And the second intention is that we might have gratitude cultivated in our hearts. And so this morning, let's start with the parable of the great feast. The text will be on the screen behind me. This is found in Luke. So hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I've just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. I offer one interpretation for us this morning to consider. The master of the house represents God. And the great banquet represents the kingdom of God, which was a metaphor that was suggested by that first speaker at the table. So the invited guests would be a representation of the Jewish people. The kingdom was prepared for the Jewish people. But when Jesus came preaching that the kingdom of heaven is near, he was rejected. The scripture says he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The excuses given in this parable for skipping the banquet are bad, even mildly offensive, at least to realtors, because nobody in this market is buying land without first seeing it. <laughs> 
and nobody's borrowing money to buy it. Offensive because who buys oxen without first trying them out? Offensive because what exactly would keep a newly married couple from attending a party? (laughs) All three excuses in the parable reveal that there's some insincerity on the part of those that had been invited. This interpretation is that certain Jewish people of Jesus' day had no valid excuse for refusing Jesus' kingdom. They had opportunity to see him as rabbi and to experience him as Messiah. But the detail in this parable is important that the invitation is then opened up to society's maimed and downtrodden. These were the exact types of people that were considered to be unclean, even under God's curse. So after a refusal from the first round of invitees, the master, or God, opens up a second round of invitations for the unredeemable. We try to find ourselves in these parables, and most of us would have found ourselves as a guest that was invited that showed up. Yeah, when you, when you hear this, you raise your hand, come on, prideful, come on, come on. Yeah, I'm the guest that showed up. Keep listening. This interpretation reveals to us that Jesus had a different view on who the kingdom was available to. The kingdom was available even to those that had traditionally been considered unclean and unredeemable. As a matter of fact, the gospels consistently show that these were the actual people that Jesus hung out with. His friendship with tax collectors and sinners brought accusation and condemnation from the Jewish religious leaders, but Jesus was trying to show the extent of God's grace and that it included unclean types of people into God's big story of salvation. The fact that the master in the parable sends the servant out to persuade everyone to come indicates that the offer to know and to be known by God would be extended beyond the first round of the Jewish people and then given to the Gentiles and then on to the ends of the earth, as it says in the book of Acts. 
In this parable, the master's not satisfied with a partially full banquet hall. He wants every place at the table to be filled. So he sends for that second round of guests, the unredeemables. And this is fascinating to me because this is the Christian's origin story. This is the Christian's origin story. This is where we should find ourselves in this parable, that we are the second round of invitees. Who's offended? Same people that thought you were in the first round? The inclusion of the Gentiles in this invitation is actually a fulfillment of an Old Testament text. This is Hosea 2.23. It says, I will say to those called not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. But don't fool yourselves this morning. This theological concept is incredibly offensive. It's incredibly offensive to a people whose whole story has been that they alone are God's chosen people. The idea that Jesus was extending the kingdom of God to non-Jewish people is a matter of contention to this day. And I think that this is the part of the story that most Christians have unfortunately forgotten. That we, we, each one of us that are not Jewish, are the second round of invitees. There's so much anti-Semitism represented in Christian thought and writing. Did you hear that? There's so much anti-Semitism that's represented in Christian thought and in Christian writing. And I think it's justified through an ignorance that Christians were a second round. It's not understood And that it has been a gift to us that we non-Jewish people have been grafted into their family tree, into their story. And we've been invited. And I have a tattoo that tells the story if you want to see it. It's an olive tree, and as you come over, there's a branch that has an ace bandage wrapped around it. I think this is so important for us as we're looking at Thanksgiving this week. Jesus said he came first to the sheep of Israel, and then to the Gentiles, which is us. The apostle Paul 
called this being grafted in. And I think it's important for us to consider this this week as we really want to get down to the root of what we are thankful for. And so this is Paul's take on it from Romans 11. Paul said, but did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles. That's us. But he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. I'm saying all this especially for you Gentiles. God has appointed me as the apostle to the Gentiles. I stress this, for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous of what you Gentiles have, so I might save some of them. For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance will be even more wonderful. It will be life for those who were dead. And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy, just as the entire batch of dough is holy, because the portion given as an offering is holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. But some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles, who were branches from a wild olive tree, have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not the roof, or not the root. Well, <laughs> you may say, those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you are there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He's severe towards those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you'll also be cut off. And if the people of Israel turn from their unbelief, they will be grafted in again. For God has the power to graft them back into the tree. Now this is our key verse. 
You, by nature, were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into his cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they belong. The extension of the kingdom of God to include us, Gentiles, non-Jewish children of God, should provoke in us gratitude. Gratitude, not entitlement. God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting us into his cultivated tree. What? (laughs) I thought there were rules. This is like, could God create a tree that God couldn't graft who he wanted into it type of question. This is an amazing statement for those of you who feel hopeless, who feel unredeemable, for those who are longing for someone who's in a space that is so distant and so far from God. This is an amazing statement of hope, that God is willing to do something contrary to nature in order to reach us, that God would suspend the laws of nature in order to reach us, amen? Entitlement says that we're getting what we deserve, and that we have a right to it. Gratitude is the quality of being thankful, a readiness to show appreciation for and to return a kindness. And God has shown great kindness to us, extending the table and making a place for us. Gratitude recognizes It is a merciful gift that we do not deserve to be included, and yet we have been. And this gratitude should translate in us into us extending that same invitation to others, just as it was extended to us. It baffles me when a once persecuted or oppressed people group have obtained rights or privileges that they did not previously have and then wants to withhold those same rights and privileges from others. Their short-term memory loss about their own story has caused them to act out of entitlement rather than to extend the opportunity that was given them as a sign of their gratitude. Gratitude is the opposite of entitlement. It's humble, it's quiet, 
It's gentle. Whereas entitlement is demanding and loud and abrasive and is going to get what it's owed. Gratitude is attractive and it strengthens relationships. While entitlement is repellent and it weakens trust. Gratitude strengthens self-esteem while entitlement diminishes it. Entitlement may elevate your mood momentarily when an entitled desire is achieved, such as getting the best table at the restaurant. But it doesn't enhance your self-worth. I've found entitlement is insatiable. My fear is that the next generation sees the church functioning out of entitlement. And we should repent. Entitlement builds a fence to protect what it thinks it deserves. Gratitude builds a longer table to share what has been provided. And Jesus says, the banquet will be full. So go out and invite everyone. Even the ones you thought were excluded or someone taught you they were unclean, even the ones that think they're unredeemable. Include them just in the same way that we've been included. This is the powerful magnetism of the gospel. And without it, we aren't sharing good news. We're all included in God's big story. And the question is, do we have a seat at anyone's table? My prayer this morning is that we would be moved by these scriptures and that we would be filled with gratitude. I can't do either of those things in you. I shared that I cried five times already today. In First Peter it says, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The extending of the kingdom of God isn't intended to stop with us. It's meant to go on and go on and go on. And as we live lives of magnetic gratitude toward God, those who live under the power 
that says they are unredeemable. They are drawn to the heart of God. And the heart of God is that none would perish, that none would perish apart from knowing God. There's a great quote that says, the gospel is one beggar telling another beggar where they've found bread. The good news is one beggar telling another beggar where they've found bread. And so the question is, Will you make room at the table? In Jesus' kingdom, the invite list is continually growing. Amen? Enough to include us? And we know a God that is willing to suspend the laws of nature in order that we might know Love, this is good news. It is God's desire that none would perish apart from him and that even included us. I want to invite uh, Marty and Heather to come up. And as they do, um, would you pray with me? So we make uh, space now just to listen. And so God, we want to hear from you. You know exactly what we need to hear this morning. And that might be an invitation to the table. So God, if you're inviting this morning, call us by name. You've lavished us with your love to fill us to overflowing. So even now, fill us again. For those that are making lists for why this doesn't apply to them, Oh, God, speak your truth. You would suspend the laws of nature.
Lord, help us to embrace that your kingdom goes on beyond us. Help us to find joy in that. And even now, if you place a name or a person on our heart, God, help us to be aligned with you to make the invitation. That they would know you and be known by you, beloved. We're asking for your heart. So Lord, would you give us your heart? Come and address all that stuff that we've allowed to be there that's not like you. Free us from the deceptions that have caused us to not act like you, to not love like you, to not... invite like you. We're asking for your kingdom to come. And we ask, Lord, for forgiveness for not having hearts uh, of gratitude. And so we ask for a chance today to say thank you. All our lives you have been faithful. All our lives you've been so, so good. You've called us by name. And free us from guilt connected to that. healing and your mending to this world. We are desperate for it, Lord. And we make ourselves available to be resources for your kingdom. And thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for being constant and consistent and faithful when we are not. And we thank you for your love this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Marty and Heather are gonna lead us in a song of response. You wanna stand, you wanna sing. Um, if you want to give praise uh, for, for what God has done in your life, this is an opportunity. It's not the only opportunity. This is a way to do it. It's not the only way to do it. It's the way we've chosen to this morning. So I would invite you to stand and to sing as Marty and Heather lead us. If that's not the space that you're in, if you're still um, in process and in conversation with God, 
stay in that space. You don't have to stand, you don't have to sing. Um, but our intention this morning is that we would open our hearts in order for God to cultivate gratitude within us. Say 
Thanksgiving, everyone. Have a great week.